evangelist Vinny Azzolini is no stranger to us, but Pastor Vinny Azzolini has only been in existence for a month. So for the first time ever, Pastor Vinny Azzolini, the great church of Ireland. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's go in the word of the Lord together to Joel chapter 2 and verse 25 and Acts chapter 2 beginning with verse 14. And while you're turning there, I do want to say just what an honor it is to be here with you tonight. I'm so excited to be here. I know it's been a little while um, since I've been here and I've just been looking forward to this night for a while. It was supposed to be this morning, but turned into this night because of the pastoral election in Ironton, but I had somebody greet me out in the foyer and they said, Pastor, and I said, well, while I'm here, it's evangelist, amen. So if you'll allow me to still operate as an evangelist tonight, um, that's what I, I feel to do. And if you'll receive that, I believe God will move in this place, amen? Amen. amen. Joel chapter two and verse 25, if you have it, say amen. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Let's move over to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall, somebody say, it shall. It shall. It shall. You know why I love that phrase? You know what it shall means? It means it shall. No doubt. means it's going to happen. It means it is certain. Mm. means you can't stop it. means you can't alter it. means you can't hinder it. It shall come to pass. Mm. Hallelujah. I felt a little it shall coming to pass from your mom tonight when she was speaking into your situation. And let me just tell you something. Sometimes when you're waiting for a promise, you need to get an it shall kind of oh, attitude yeah. about your promise. And you need to let the enemy know. You need to speak it into your mindset. You need to speak it into your heart. You need to speak it into the atmosphere. And you need to let all of heaven know that as far as you're concerned, it shall oh, yeah. come to pass. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful to be in your house tonight with people of like precious faith. Lord, thankful for the faith that I feel in this atmosphere already tonight. The expectation that we have stepped into. I pray right now that your word would go forth unfettered, unhindered. That it would have liberty in this house tonight and in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 
Amen. Would you give the Lord a great hand clap of praise before you're seated? Thank you, Jesus. It was a few months ago that I was driving to go preach somewhere, as is so often the case. And I was on the phone with a pastor friend of mine, and, and he was just uh, describing some things to me over the phone. We were having a conversation, and, and the conversation sounded a little bit like this. He said, you know, it just feels like every time we get a little bit of momentum, mm, every time it feels like things are coming together, every time it feels like things are firing on all cylinders, something happens to disrupt the progress. Mm. Anybody ever felt like that before? Huh. As he was recounting this to me and telling me this in great detail, <laughs> I said, what you're dealing with, and this wasn't me. I really felt the Holy Ghost quicken this to me. I said, what you're dealing with is interruption. Mm. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm. How many of you like to be interrupted? Nobody lifted their hands. There was unity in the house tonight. Praise God. Nobody likes to be interrupted. Mm. Why? Because there's a break in the continuity. There's a break in the progress. And there's, I've learned something about interruption. Interruption doesn't care what else is going on. Mm. It does not take into consideration the momentum that you have, the progress that you're making, the ground that you're covering. It just shows up and demands your attention. Any of you ever had little kids before? They are professional interrupters. Mm-hmm. We decided to gear Hudson because he was such a good interrupter. We said, why don't you become a Bible quizzer because they want you to interrupt in Bible quizzing. <laughs> Hudson will come in no matter what's going on in the room. And he'll just, without, without looking at the environment or anything else that's going on, he'll just come in and say, hey, Dad, my toy broke. Will you fix it? That's how life is sometimes. It comes in with interruptions. And if we don't know how to handle interruptions, it will frustrate the momentum that we've been working so hard to build in our lives. I was a youth pastor a long time ago. And when I first became youth pastor, we remodeled the youth mezzanine space in our church. And, and man, that created a lot of excitement, created a lot of zeal, created a lot of passion. And we had momentum. Kids were bringing people to church and students were getting the Holy Ghost from the high school. And, and I was a novice. I didn't know what I was doing. 
And I just thought, man, we're just going to ride this momentum. Mm. Woo. You can't just ride out momentum. Because if you don't keep momentum going, momentum will die all by itself. Mm. And what I discovered is it's a lot more difficult to build momentum the second time than it is the first time. Mm. Ah, guess who else knows that? Your adversary. Mm. And he wants, mm, hallelujah. You ever heard that saying, how do you kill a giant? A thousand little cuts at a time. Mm. You know why? See, the enemy, when you're like, man, this is it. This is my year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get on fire for God. He just sits back and says, go ahead. Let that momentum build. Let that momentum build. Mm. Woo. And right about the time you think you can't be stopped. Mm. Here's a little aggravation here. A little irritation here. A little distraction right here. What's he doing? He's beginning to siphon off your virtue, your passion, your zeal. One little irritation at a time. He doesn't have to come in and just wreck your whole world. Uh, all he has to do is exhaust you with a hundred interruptions. Mm. Until you feel like you've lost your momentum. And you no longer have the strength to build it back up. Have you ever felt like that before? Mm. Woo, hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm, 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 mm. As my friend was talking to me about this, I told him, I said, you got to learn how to handle interruptions. I said, because if you don't learn how to handle interruptions... You'll get off track. Mm. Hallelujah. Ha. And you'll become disillusioned with what God had started in your life to begin with. Mm. Ah, hallelujah. 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 Mm. God is going to bring momentum. Back to this church. Ah. When I stepped in here tonight, you know what I felt? Mm. I felt a rich root system of apostolic history and apostolic power. Mm. And what I sensed in my spirit is that the enemy has tried to cause little frustrations in people all over this congregation. Little spirit irritations, little distractions in your life to try to frustrate the momentum of this assembly. But I've come to declare to you today that whatever time you thought you lost and whatever season you thought you missed, you serve a God that is a redeemer 
of time. And when the church decides, I'm going to get my focus back. I'm going to get my fire back. I'm going to get my vision back. Let me tell you something, friend. The lie the enemy has told you and convinced you that you can't build momentum again is exactly that. It's a lie. Because when you make up your mind, the wind of the Holy Ghost begins to blow and you will feel the wind at your back pushing you forward back into momentum. Mm. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me to the book of John chapter 11. This is probably a familiar story for many of us here tonight. But I want to pull some things out of this text that I felt the Lord showed me as I was reading and studying on this topic of momentum and interruption. John chapter 11 beginning with verse 1. Are you ready? Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Mm. Mary and Martha were dealing with an interruption. A crisis-sized interruption in their life. Their brother Lazarus was sick. And he didn't just have a headache. He was sick unto death. Mm. Woo. They had an urgent need. They had an interruption with an expiration date on it. Mm. They needed God to move right now. And you know what they did? They went and found Jesus. Mm. That's what you're supposed to do when interruption shows up in your life. The first reason many people... Mm, woo, don't know how to handle interruption is because they try to handle it themselves. Mm. When interruption shows up in your life, you know why sometimes the enemy uses small interruptions instead of big interruptions? Because he wants you to deplete your resources. Mm. Woo. He knows if it's a small interruption, you'll feel like you don't have to lean on God. 
You don't have to rely, well, I can handle that. Well, I guess I can handle this and I can handle that. And as long as it's small, we're just trying to manage the interruption ourselves. But if it was a crisis, we know, hey, it's a crisis. I got to go to God. But we don't always go to God with the little things. Let me tell you something, friend. When little things come into your life, you need to remember it's the little foxes that spoil the fruit on the vine. When the enemy tries to wear you out with little irritations, don't you go to your basket of resources, but say, God, I need your direction on this. I need you to speak to me about that. I need you to move in this situation. Mm. Mary and Martha had a big interruption. And they came to the Lord. They said, God, our brother's sick. And they said, our brother who you love is sick. Mm. It's different when it's somebody you love. Ah. You know, you know what they were saying? How many of you have ever done this? I've done this. How many of you have ever tried to tried to use your spirit? Uh, your relationship, um, oh, let's see, my, my mind's going blank. Your relationship stash, that's not the word I'm looking for, it's something else. Your cachet, I guess, with God before. And what I mean by that is this, God, I've got a problem, it's me. You know me, you love me, I'm a worshiper. I'm a faithful attender. I'm a tithe payer. God, this ain't just somebody off the street, but it's me, Jesus. And I got a problem, and I need you to step in right now. Any of you ever prayed like that before? Oh, come on. You ain't telling the truth. Hallelujah. Mm. This is Pentecost. We talk back to the preacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't talk back to your mama, but you talk back to the preacher. And that's exactly what they did. Lord, it's us who you love. And we got a problem. And this is what the Lord did. He gave them a word. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. You know what happens when you bring your frustration to God? When you bring your problem to God, when you bring your interruption to God, the first thing he does is he puts a boundary around your problem. And he lets you know right at the beginning, this is as far as this will ever go. No matter what happens from this moment forward, rest assured that this sickness is not unto death. This will not destroy you. This will not destroy your family. This will not be the last battle you fight, but this will be a victory in your history. How many of you have ever felt like you got a word from the Lord before? Mm, Y'all ain't talking back. 
How many of you have ever felt like you've gotten a word from God before? Mm. Now, I think they're going to say amen on this one. How many of you have ever felt like you got a word from God and then it seemed like everything that happened afterwards did not match up with the word that you got? Oh, they, they like that one. Woo. This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. And then he sat still for two days. What? That don't make any sense. My interruption's urgent. I need you to get up and come running. Mm. Woo, hallelujah. And then when he finally got up, he didn't come their direction. The Bible says he went to Judea. Mm. Lord, it's me. It's Vinny. I've been serving you. I've been doing everything I know to do. And I got a crisis that I need you to step into. And then God moves in their life. Mm. Lord, you don't even know them. They don't have a history with you. They don't have a relationship context with you. Why are you going to Judea? Why did you come through for them? Why did you move in their situation? And you're left with a three-day-old word and an absent Jesus. And then we all know what happens, don't we? Lazarus died. What? That don't make any sense. Let's move down to verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Mm. Isn't that sweet? You know, there will always be somebody that is willing to make you feel comfortable outside the boundary of your promise. If you've got a promise from God, don't you let anybody make you feel comfortable living outside the boundary line of your promise. There's way too many people who have set up shop just outside the border of promise because somebody was willing to make them feel comfortable there. Let me tell you something. The fulfillment of promise will always cost you your comfort. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Now this is powerful. I think it's powerful. This is Mary. That would not leave Jesus' side. This was the Mary that could not be pulled away when she was in his presence. But one severe interruption in her life. mm, That she didn't know how to handle. 
that she didn't know how to respond to mm. caused her to stay in the house when she heard that Jesus was coming. You may not like this. That's your caution label. When you don't know how to handle interruption, it will affect your response when Jesus is in the house. It will cause you to sit and say, I'll believe it when I see it. When somebody tells you Jesus is walking by your way. When somebody says there are miracles in the house tonight. A fractured Mary will sit there and say, because of an interruption that I do not understand and cannot reconcile with my spirit, I will no longer respond when Jesus is present. Mm. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to ruin your response. Mm. Why? Because your response when Jesus shows up will unlock the fulfillment of your promise, your miracle, your answer, your breakthrough. He wants you to sit down and just say, well, maybe. Mm. And then what's Mary say? If you had just shown up, my brother would not have died. I've been serving God long enough to know that he don't ever do it my way. He always does it his way. And I've served God long enough to learn uh, that no matter what interruption comes into my life, uh, when Jesus is in the house, uh, honey, I'm going to respond. I'm not going to allow any past frustration uh, or yesterday's irritation uh, to steal my response uh, to the moving of the Spirit of God. Uh, When Jesus is coming by my way, uh, I'm going to be like the lady with the issue of blood and if I gotta throw elbows to get to the front of the crowd ain't nobody gonna stop me from touching Jesus hey let me tell you something friend somebody needs to cast off the residue of interruption in their life and say I'm getting my momentum back tonight God is gonna redeem the time in my life Hey, let me tell you something, church. I'm not saying this arrogantly, but I'm preaching way better than you're responding tonight. And I am challenging you to dig down and pull out a response tonight. You need to stop sitting and watching and say, hey, I believe there is life in the root system of this congregation. I believe there is a future of promise and destiny in my city.
And I saw you go get a cup of waters was one of them for me. Oh, praise God. And then what happens right after that? Mm-hmm. We all know the story. Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. <laughs> there was a resurrection and a revelation right after the interruption. You know why so many uh, the enemy works so hard to get you to quit right outside the boundary of promise. You know why? Because he knows as soon as you cross over that boundary, revelation is waiting for you. See, Jesus looked at at Martha and said, I am the resurrection and the life. That interruption brought a revelation into her life that she could not have received if the interruption had not happened. Interruptions lead to revelations. Thank you, You can't know him as a provider unless you have a need. You won't know him as a healer until you have a sickness. You won't know him as a soul satisfier until you're depleted of your... Hey, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that God's got a purpose for your interruption. He wants to show you more of himself. Ah. Hallelujah. Interruptions lead to revelations. And interruptions lead to resurrections. Mm. I have learned that when I seem to be my most frustrated and it seems like everything is going wrong and nothing will come together something that seemed dead in my life is getting ready to come back to life that's when the dead get up when dead churches come back to life. Woo! <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> ah. I feel the Holy Ghost. You know, this is not just a regularly scheduled service, but I'm just telling you what I feel. Tonight, God, on God's agenda, I don't know what's on your agenda, but on God's agenda, there is a major breakthrough in store for this congregation tonight. God does not want you to stay in the mode that you have been in, but God has has a resurrection. For you, for this city, for this. Interruptions lead to revelations, resurrections, 
and interruptions lead to revival. Uh, woo. Just look at Calvary. It interrupted everything. It turned the religious world upside down. Devil thought he won. Woo. Ah. Pharisees thought they won. Ah. Romans thought it was finally over. Oh, but it wasn't but a few weeks later that Peter stood up with the 11 and he lifted up his voice and he said, let me tell you something. The enemy thought that was his interruption, but this was God's interruption all along. And on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. Why? Because of an eternal interruption that turned everything upside down. Ah. I've seen time and time again people who've grown cold ah, or worse lukewarm and you know that's what we're dealing with do you know what the aftermath of COVID is? It's a lukewarm church. I can take it or leave it. Woo! I want it, but I don't have to want to work for it. Man, I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. And I'm trying to help somebody. You need to shake off that aftermath of interruption that has allowed this Laodicean lukewarm no passion no zeal attitude to settle in on your life and say God I'm ready to get on fire for you again Lord I believe that we can have revival Lord I believe that everything this book says is real and will come to pass Ah, I've watched as interruptions shake up people's lives. Mm. Woo. I've learned not to interfere in other people's interruptions. Let me tell you, have you been praying for somebody and their world spirals into chaos? Don't be their savior. Don't interfere with God's interruption. Just build a bridge of love and say, when you're ready to figure it out, when you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I will be here. Anybody notice the chaos and the volatility in our world has not stopped? Hello? Hello? Anybody notice it's not quitting? Uh, it's actually growing. Mm. You know why? Because there's an acceleration happening. Mm. You know all this chaos and volatility? Mm. It is a reflection of what is happening in the spirit world right now. 
This acceleration of chaos and volatility is the remnant of a kingdom that is about to fall and it knows that it's spiraling out of control. Why? Because in the last days, saith God, I shall, I shall, I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Hey, honey, you better know what time it is it is the last days the enemy knows it heaven knows it it's time for the church to know it Ah. thank you Jesus thank you Lord Ah. Lord. hallelujah and if you're looking for reprieve honey I'm sorry to tell you Reprieve's not coming. Mm-hmm. But this acceleration woo, is going to awaken the church back into apostolic operation. Mm-hmm. You need to let go of this institution mindset that you have, that you just believe that this thing is just going to happen on its own. Honey, you are the temple of God, and inside of you is the name, the spirit, and the word. And honey, you better start operating like an apostolic belief. Let me show you what interruption looks like. Woo! And here's the little secret. You know the enemy doesn't have a creative part of him. God is the creator. Everything that the enemy uses against us, he stole from God and perverted it. <laughs> Woo! Interruption was not his idea. Interruption is God's idea. Mm, woo. Let's go to Acts 17. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. In this passage, there was a city huh, that was on... Mm, oh, I'm going I'm to challenge you right now. We don't need churches to have revival. We need cities to have revival. Woo! Institution says, hey, I I believe my church can have revival. No, I believe my city can have revival. Pastor Shoshan, I believe that Newark can be turned upside down with revival. I believe this entire city can know who you are. Talk about what happens in this building and outside of this building. Because the people of the building become the church. They were looking for Paul. This is what happens when a city has revival. You don't have to go look for them. They come looking for you because they hate you. Mm. The powers that be were coming to look for Paul. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy. They were jealous of the church. They were jealous about what was happening in the church. Mm. 
took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar. You know, one translation says riots. They started riots in the city when there was a shift in the power dynamic. Mm. Woo! You can shift the entire dynamic in your city. There can be a shift of power. And assaulted the house of Jason. That's where Paul was staying. And sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. They came looking for pastor. But they said, we'll settle for you. You know why? Because you're guilty by association. When's the last time your city got mad at you for turning your world Upside down. Mm. I know I'm challenging you. I know some of you are like, yeah, right, buddy. But you need to hear this preacher today. Greater works than these shall, 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 ye do greater works than these shall ye do I am preaching to a church tonight that has the power the authority and the dominion to turn their city upside down They had such a revival in Ephesus. I think it was Ephesus. Is it Ephesus that idolatry was shutting down? I think it was Ephesus. It was Ephesus or Thessalonica. Listen to this. The church was making such an impact. (laughs) That there was a complete shift and the economy of that city. Mm. Woo. Idolatry started going out of business because there was no longer a demand for it. Mm. Woo. And instead of finances flowing away from the church, this is what happens when a city has revival. Finances uh, flowed into the church uh, because they were no longer flowing to uh, idolatry. Mm. You don't think it can happen? Ah, uh, I was preaching. Woo. <laughs> In one of the most spiritually oppressive cities that I've ever preached in. Called Eureka, California. I'm telling you, when you fly into that place, you can feel the heaviness 
the oppression of that place. Oh, what the, there's so much liberty here. It's thick. It's almost palpable. That's how bad it is. And I was preaching there on a Monday night. Do you know people can get the Holy Ghost on Monday? <laughs> and at the end of that message, I made an invitation. Anybody who wants the Holy Ghost, come on up. Seven or eight people came up. There was one guy who had been praying over there against the wall. And he came up and he was weeping and crying. I could smell alcohol on his breath. <laughs> I said, all right, Pastor, I got this one. <laughs> said, you guys can have those ones. I said, what'd you come up here for tonight? He said, I want the Holy Ghost. So we prayed and he began to repent. And a few minutes later, God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ah, and yes, it was the Spirit. Not spirits. He was speaking in tongues. And then he was baptized in Jesus' name. And for all you doubters... Let me tell you how I know. Because the next day, mm, woo, he went to his place of idolatry mm, about the same time he always did. And he opened up that door and at the top of his lungs, he said, I just want y'all to know, you ain't getting one more dime of my money because I found something that is greater he said and not only that he said I'm taking every one of my friends with me ah, that was about six months ago to my knowledge he's still going there today ah, I was in a little town in western Ohio last year and, and I was preaching it was about halfway through the sermon and a young man you could tell he was new visitor God was just moving on him he's just sitting there weeping he's grabbing the back of the pew not knowing how to respond to what he's feeling and finally halfway through he just runs up and just dives onto the altar crying weeping praying stands up God fills him with the Holy Ghost I went back this year just over 12 months later I think it was 14 months later and I saw him but I barely recognized him and I said man it's so good to see you Josh I said how things been going he said things are going good he said let me tell you what you don't know about me he said the night you came 14 months ago he said, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. He said, I was living under a bridge. He said, I was a meth addict. Woo, huh. I lost my kids. I had a broken marriage. He said, I was completely strung out. He said, but the night I repented of my sins, 
He said, God completely delivered me. He said, and not one time did I ever pick up meth or any other kind of vice again. He said, God completely delivered my life. He said, now I'm living in a house. He said, I got my kids back. He said, I got a job. He said, in one short year, God has completely transformed my life. And he had three or four guests there with him that night. Why? Because an interruption happened in his life that brought a transformation that will forever change his life. Woo, hallelujah. Mm. I started out this sermon tonight by telling you about a conversation that I had with a friend. And right before I hung up with him, the Lord put a word in my spirit. And that word is resurgence. <laughs> and I began to talk to him and I said, Brother, I believe you're going to see a resurgence in momentum this year. When I got to my hotel that night and I began to pray, I felt the Lord told me two things. He said, one, he said, that's not just a word for him. He said, but that's a word for my church. He said, because my church has been in a long, interrupted season. Mm. It affected their momentum. It affected their fire their passion and their zeal mm. but this year before this year is over some of you are going to experience it before this week is over for those of you that believe what I'm preaching you will see an evidence of what I'm saying to you right now before I am back here next Sunday night he said there will be a resurgence in my church hallelujah hallelujah in the name of Jesus. And then I looked up that word resurgence. I thought I knew what it meant. I was close. But something happens when you look up a word. Mm. You ready for this? You can remain standing. Resurgence is a continuing after interruption. Oh, <laughs> A renewal. Mm. It is a... Oh, ha. How many of you have felt like you have lost your effectiveness in the kingdom of God? Come on, how many of you would actually be honest and lift your hand and say, I feel like I've lost my effect. I come, I pay my tithe and I worship, but I don't know that I'm really being effective in the kingdom of God. Whoa. That's you. Listen to this. Resurgence is a restoration to use, activity, and revival. Here's the third one it is the act of rising again or resurrection. 
I believe it is God's desire to release resurrection power in this congregation tonight. Not next Sunday night, not tomorrow, but tonight. You know, when the Lord called Lazarus out of that tomb, you know what he did? Does anybody know? He went like this. You know why? He was bound by the garments of a season that he no longer belonged in. You know why some of you haven't run these aisles yet? Or shouted yet? Woo! Because you're still bound up by an interrupted season that God is calling you out of tonight. And here's the thing. Lazarus couldn't loose himself. Somebody had to walk in there and release him from his stationary position so he could walk out into a new season that God was calling him into. There's going to be a resurgence in the church in this church in this city in your family in your ministry in your leadership in your music department in your finance there's going to be a resurgence in your family in your children in your love there's going to be a resurgence in your services a resurgence in your worship a resurgence in your response a resurgence in your dance a resurgence in your praise But you're not going to get there on your own. You've got to help somebody get there tonight. And so what I want everybody in this room to do is I want you to go and find somebody and take them by the hand. And I want you to walk up here to this altar together. Don't come up alone, but get somebody by the hand. I said, come on, we are stepping into a season of resurgence together in Jesus' name.